Tonight we're going to look at generational curses. You know, a lot of people go around and they just feel that they're trapped. Amen. That their family situation, their history has just put them in a place of being trapped and there is no way out. Well, tonight we want to look at that from the biblical perspective. And we're going to be studying about generational curses and the fact that in Christ you can be what? A new creature. Amen. So we're going to look at that and how in the Bible that was represented. In Deuteronomy 32, uh, sorry, 23 and verse 2, we see what was going on under the law. It said, A bastard shall not enter the congregation of the Lord, even to his tenth generation. It seems such a severe penalty for someone who it wasn't even their fault. But under the law, this was the proscription. It said, A bastard shall not enter the congregation of the Lord even to the tenth generation and shall not, and shall not enter the, and an Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord even to the tenth generation. Shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever? What that meant was they could not come too near to the temple. They could not come in, in times of worship. They were outsiders. They were not uh, uh, numbered as being part of Israel. If you just came into the land of Israel, you could not be part of Israel. You were there until the 10th generation was, was the prohibition. And we can see that this goes back a long way. And we're going to look at how Christ sets us free from generational curses. Amen. Christ makes us free of all those kinds of things. Amen. We know that the first generational curse, of course, started because of Adam. Amen. When I was young, I used to blame him for everything. I used to blame him for everything. Man, if Adam hadn't done this, look where we would be right now. We wouldn't have to be working so hard. We would have... But you know what? We would also be accountable for our own choices. Amen. Paul, in Romans 5, verse 12, lays out the start of how this came about. He says, Wherefore, as by one man... Sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And that's the, that's the thing. We may not have sinned exactly as Adam and Eve, but we have sinned. Even just a lack of faith, the Bible says, is a sin. Amen. When we doubt God, that is a sin. So all have sinned. And because of Adam and Eve's sin, though, that brought about the first generational curse. Amen. You know, and a curse, what is a curse? A curse is opposite of a blessing. A blessing is something you want. A a blessing is something that's going to be of an increase in nature. A blessing is going to be something good. A curse is the opposite of that. Usually uh, a curse is a subtraction or a taking away. A curse is something you don't want. A curse is not something you run to. Amen. A curse is in fact the opposite of a blessing. Amen. But in its its operation, it was done the same way as a blessing. It was something that was declared. Just as a blessing can be declared, a curse was also declared. In uh, Genesis 3.17, when God started to ask Adam and Eve and the serpent why they were hiding and what had happened, Adam came up with this excuse. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, 
and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. And now here comes the curse. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Cursed is the ground. This represents the first generational curse. As I said, cursing is the opposite of blessing. I I like being blessed. I like being blessed. Even when it's just words. In fact, some of the words are the, the, the highest blessing. Amen. As I told you when I was eight, my mother turned around and prophetically pointed at me and said, you are blessed and shall be blessed. And I've been living on those words for the rest of my life. Amen. I just believe that God's blessing and favor can be upon you if, if you are obedient to his word. Amen. So we see that the first curse came into being because of disobedience. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. So we said that curse is the opposite of blessing. It always takes away. It's something that is a subtraction. Uh, in Deuteronomy 28:15, when uh, God was warning through Moses, the children of Israel, and he told them some things, some warnings. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken, if you won't listen unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Isn't that something? Verse 16. Cursed shall thou be in the city. You see, it's the opposite of, of the song we sing, right? Blessed in the city. Cursed shall thou be in the field. It's the opposite, right, of the song. Blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field. Well, in Deuteronomy 28, 16, they were told there would be a curse upon them. No matter where they are, whether they're in the city or if they run to the field, they couldn't escape the curse if they were disobedient. You can't escape from God's justice. You may have it delayed for a while, but in the end, the Bible says, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So there is this thing about the curse and and the tenth generation. And we see this very interestingly. Remember now, the curse was given, the first curse in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, where he said, cursed is the ground for thy sake. And we read uh, in the other scripture, the first scripture, about to the 10th generation. To the 10th generation. So let's look at how that works. Because in Genesis 5.1, it starts to lay out the generations. This is interesting. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. It's a good thing that God is so merciful. God is so merciful because remember now the curse in the Old Testament, the standard of the curse was to what? The 10th generation. So when we count 10 generations from Adam, let's see what happens. Of course, we have Adam and you all know this, that each name represents a prophecy. Adam meaning man, Seth appointed because when Cain killed Abel and they got another child, Eve said, for God hath appointed me. So his name, Seth, means appointed. And of course, his son's name was Enos, which means mortal, from the Jewish word enosh, which means mortal. 
And then his son's name was Kenan, uh, which means the, uh, the begotten. His son's name was Mahalalel, the blessed God. And his son's name was Jared, which means to, to descend or shall descend. And then um, I think I left out um, Lamech. Lamech and then Enoch, okay? Oh, I didn't. Sorry, I, I jumped ahead. Enoch and then Methuselah, his death shall bring. And Lamech, the despairing comfort. And guess what? How, how many names is there? Ten. And you know what happened at the tenth name? It says, and Noah found grace. Isn't that something? Noah found grace. His name means comfort. And Noah just didn't take the grace and waste it. Paul says, I, I did not waste the grace that God gave to me. Because when Noah heard God's command that there was coming a flood, he acted in faith. He acted in faith. So many people say it's obedience that saved Noah, not just grace. It's grace that makes you have faith and act upon it that will be saving. Amen. So Noah built an ark to the saving of his family. And when he came out, he did something unusual. It's the first recorded offering um, by fire by man. In Genesis 8.21, and in the chapter it tells of how Noah came out and he sacrificed one of the animals, the, the clean animals, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore. So ten generations from Adam till the curse on the ground now was not added to or made worse for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. God promised he wasn't going to destroy the world with another flood. So we see this, this thing about the tenth generation, and that's what we have sometimes, you know. We're born, we, don't, we have no choice of the family we're born into. You could have been born anywhere. I don't know. When we get to heaven, we can ask God why we were born where we were born with the characteristics that we have. I don't know. I, I, that's one of the mysteries, right? But I know he created us for a purpose. He says so in Isaiah, you were created for a purpose, for his glory. Amen. So we see that when it came to the 10th generation, the curse here was rescinded or at least not extended. I will not again curse the ground anymore. It's funny how it was the 10th generation that the Bible says Noah found grace. And we see this a lot in the Old Testament. We see this a lot in the Old Testament. We know that the prophecy um, that had been given to Abraham was that in thy seed shall all the earth be blessed. See, Satan didn't know how the Messiah was going to come. Originally, all he knew it was through a human being, so he wanted to destroy all mankind. He wanted all of mankind destroyed. Once he found out it was through the line of Abraham, he kind of focused his attention on the Jews and the, uh, the, the, the Semitic line. But the blessing, the, 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 the promise had been given to Abraham that through his seed, all the nations of the earth should be blessed. So Satan's primary job was to try and bring a curse. He wants to reverse whatever God has declared upon you. Do you understand? He wants the opposite. 
He wants to bring forth a curse. And that's been his whole plan or part of his major plan throughout the, 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 the whole existence of mankind is to turn what God determined for a blessing into a curse. We see that with the life of Joseph, don't we? Because God had declared a blessing on his life and yet through his brother's wickedness and through other things, he ended up from uh, being sold as a slave and then ending up in prison. Whatever blessing God wants, Satan wants to reverse that and turn it into a curse. So we see as the generations pass down, the blessing went from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and then it should have been the firstborn. Should have been Reuben. But he messed up. And then the next one messed up. And it passed as far as the, 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 the blessing, the double portion, to Joseph. To Joseph. But the birthright went to Judah. And when, when Jacob was passing, he called all of his sons and did a blessing. Listen to this in, in Genesis 49.8. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Because Judah means what? Praise. Thy hand shall be on the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Doesn't that sound great? The moment that Jacob pronounced the blessing on Judah, Satan said, mm-hmm. I know who to go after now. I don't even have to bother with the other 11. This is the one because it goes on to say, and here's the blessing part. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Nor a lawgiver from between his feet. Until Shiloh, that's a messianic name for Jesus, should come. And unto him shall be the gathering of the people. So prophetically the Holy Spirit made Jacob declare that the seed was going to go through Judah. So he, he pronounced this great blessing upon him. But you know that that meant Satan was after him. You may want God to bless you, but I hope you understand what you're asking for. <laughs> I hope you understand when you say, Lord, use me. Lord, bless me. You know what you're asking for? Satan is going, aha. <laughs> He's gone to, to, to get all his troops together. So you better be ready for what's to come. Well, Judah was not quite ready for what was to come, and he messed up. He messed up, and so instead of the blessing being apparent right away on his life, a curse occurred. He ended up, you know the story, sleeping with his daughter-in-law, which was never God's plan. So instead of this blessing being fulfilled in his life, the clock starts to count. Here comes a generational curse. So Judah has a son by his daughter-in-law called Pharez. Then he has a son named Esram and Aram. And all this time, even though Jacob had pronounced the blessing and that through his line should come the kingship, these names disappear. We don't really hear about them much. Because of the curse. So now we're down to Aram. And he has a son named Aminadab. And then he has a son named Nasson. Then he has a son named Salmon. And it was Salmon 
who was alive at the time when they came back to Canaan. He was the descendant of Judah at the time when they crossed back over and camped in front of the city of Jericho. And who was in Jericho? There was a lady in Jericho. Rahab. Rahab. There was a lady living in Jericho who was a prostitute. But guess what? She believed God. And you know what believing God does? It breaks a curse. Let me say it again because you just let that go right over your head. I said, when you put faith in God, it will break a curse. Remember now, she was not a Jew. She was of the Canaanites. She was a, in a city that worshipped idols. In fact, her very lifestyle was that of a harlot, a prostitute. But look what God does. Because she believed God, God made room. Her name, Rahab, comes from the same Jewish word from Rehoboth. It means God will make room. And she ends up marrying the leader of the tribe of Judah, who is at that time Solomon. And they have a son named Boaz. And then the Bible takes a really strange turn, because we're going to go into that later. But you know, then he marries this other lady that's supposed to be under the curse as well. Her name is Ruth. And it was, we just read the scripture that said a Moabite shall not be in the congregation of Israel to the what? Tenth generation. But you know the mercy and the grace of God. God will respond to faith. And he pre prefigured his grace because of what's about to happen here in this story. Anyway, we're down to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Boaz is seven. And all this time, we, we don't have any kingship, even though Judah had had the, the promise of the scepter. And then Obed has Jesse, and then Jesse has David. Here comes the prophet, and he comes to Jesse. And I don't even know if Jesse realized the fact how many generations it had been since his great-great-great-great-great-grandfather Judah had had the promise that a scepter shall not depart and the, until on the rulership should not depart until the Messiah comes, that it was going to be through the line of Judah. But because of his mess up, we see ten generations pass before the curse was lifted. Here comes Samuel... And he doesn't know who he's supposed to appoint. But he knows he's sent to Bethlehem to the house of Jesse. And all of Jesse's sons pass in front of him. And they all look like they could be king. And he says, no, it's the Lord, no, not this one. But Lord, no, not this one. And of course, Jesse doesn't believe it can be the, the littlest one. He doesn't even have him in the house. You see, man looks at... But God is looking at you and your heart. He's not looking at the physical appearance. He's looking at the heart with which you want to serve him. He's looking at, is this the kind of person who will put me first? Is this the kind of person who is a person after, after my own heart? 
And he says, don't you have another son? He says, well, yeah, we have the little teenager out there, but can't possibly be him. No, go get him. And he brings in David, who at that time was probably just about 16 or 17. And we see the curse broken in the 10th generation as he pours the oil. When the Holy Spirit, the oil of the Holy Spirit comes into your life, it will break every generational curse. Every generational curse. So we see, again, this thing with the 10th generation, that, that, that it is fulfilled again when David comes along and, and Samuel anoints him to be king. So the prophecy from Genesis by Jacob starts to be fulfilled and the royal line starts to be fulfilled through the line of David. But you know how the devil is. He sees the blessing and he wants to bring back the curse. <laughs> he sees God is just about to pour out something great upon you and he wants to deviate and, and, and deflect and make sure the blessing is not fulfilled because the blessing is conditional. It's conditional upon our response. If Noah had not built an ark, guess what? He would be dead. <laughs> he would be dead. So Satan realizes, okay, Judah's back again. I got to do something more to, 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 to upset God's plan. So you know that Solomon, his son, was given a great promise by God to David. And let me see, I don't know if I put it in here, but he promised David that he was going to have mercy on Solomon, almost no matter what he did. He said he was going to punish him, but he would not remove the kingship. So guess what? Satan decided, well, there's no point messing too much with Solomon because God has already said he's not going to remove him. So I'm going to, I'm going to go after his sons. You know what God will do? He'll go after your children. I'm sorry, Satan will go after your children. When he sees the blessing on your life and the promises that are being fulfilled, he'll go after your children. So you know that as the kings of Judah and Israel started to, to progress, they got worse and worse and worse. Till finally, after 490 years, it came down to this king called Jehoiakim in the time of the prophet Jeremiah. And he did so many evil things and would not repent that finally, in Jeremiah 22, 24, God pronounces a curse. Satan's plan looks like it's about to work. God is going to remove the blessing from the line of Judah. As surely as I live, says the Lord, and I've put this in a modern translation, I will abandon you, Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, even if you were the signet ring on my right hand. God is saying, listen, even if you were my ring, I was gonna, I'm going to throw you away. I would pull you off. I will hand you over to those who seek to kill you, those you so desperately fear, to the king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and the mighty Babylonian army. I will expel you and your mother from this land, and you will die in a foreign country, not in a native land, and you will never again return to the land you yearn for. Isn't that a terrible pronunciation? See, Satan had, had, had finally got the kings of Israel to rebel so much that God withdrew the blessing on the line that he had promised to Abraham. It seems as if his plan has been overthrown. It seems as if God's plan of, of, of blessing is not going to be fulfilled. 
In fact, it goes so far that God says in verse 30, and I left this in the King James Version, he says, write ye this man childless. In other words, none of his seed is going to fulfill the kingship. Write ye this man childless. Now, the, the interesting thing about this is that he wasn't childless, but it was God saying in a way, none of his seed is going to be fulfilled as king. A man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper, sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. It seems that Satan's plan of bringing back a curse has worked because how is God going to get out of this one now? The very king who is descended from Judah, who is descended from David, God has had to curse because of his terrible disobedience and his wickedness and his refusal to repent. Satan has brought back the curse, the generational curse. It seems when we look back, we see sometimes, you know, grandfather was an alcoholic, so his son is an alcoholic, so it just goes down, they become wife beaters. There's there's just horrible abuse in families, and it's a generational curse. But you know, there's, as I said, there's some things that can break a generational curse. Hallelujah. You know, it seems as if God's plan is defeated. Satan has again brought back a curse. That's what he wants to do with all of us. God has promised nothing but blessing. Did you know that? He says, in him it's yea, in him it's amen. As soon as the blessing is pronounced on you, Satan is going to come with a plan to try and destroy you, to take away that blessing. Amen. Let's look at this in a little bit more detail. Because God had made some promises to David. In 2 Samuel 7, 8, he says, when David became king and he wanted to build God a temple, he said, David, I see your heart, but you have, you've been involved in too many killings. Your hands are too defiled. But here's my promise to you, David. Now listen to this blessing. And the curse is fighting the blessing here. Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David. He tells the prophet, this is what I want you to tell David. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took you when you were just a little nothing, when you were just a little sheep herder, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel. Jumping to verse 12. And he says, when thy days be fulfilled, when you die, David, and you shall sleep with your fathers. Here's the promise that he told David. I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Well, God, you got a problem here. <laughs> you got a problem. You've just cursed his seed, Jeconiah. Verse 14, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And here's the the amazing thing what God promised David. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. Verse 15. But my mercy, let's say my mercy. My mercy shall not depart away from him. As I took it away from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. See, that was the blessing that Satan now came with a curse. And he's trying to make God a liar. 
But you know what Hebrews says? It's impossible for God to lie. Satan throughout these thousands of years has tried to outwit God. He's tried to figure out a way to bring the curse back. He's always tried to bring the curse back from the garden. But you know what? God, who is rich in mercy, amen, has outsmarted him every time. So let's look at that. It comes all the way down now to the time of Jesus. And we see that Jeconiah, because of the curse, is taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. And all of Israel is taken captive. And then Judah is finally taken captive. And it seems that the kingship of Israel is finished. That again, Satan's plan has worked. But remember, the curse was only up to how many generations? Ten generations. So let's look at the ten generations. When we get to the book of Matthew, it says, And when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son. Matthew 1 1 starts off this way. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Isn't that interesting? It skips Jeconiah and goes back to the son of David. Now, if we put it in those terms and go back to the promise, you see, we were thinking it was applying to Solomon. But Matthew says, Jesus is the son of David. Now, when we look back here, it says, And when thy days be fulfilled, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. See, it wasn't Solomon's kingdom the promise was. See, Satan thought, I got him now. But he didn't understand that Jesus is the son of David. Amen. It wasn't Solomon, it wasn't Jeconiah, but Jesus is the son of David. Because when we get to Matthew, the revelation is given that spiritually it was Jesus. This is the book of the generation of Jesus, the son of David. In fact, that was the revelation in the New Testament. Blind Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, have mercy upon me. But in the book of Matthew, we are given a genealogy going all the way back to Jeconias, starting and, and going down to Jesus' legal father, who was, who was his legal father as far as earth was concerned? Joseph. So we find in Matthew it gives the, the legal uh, generational lineage of Jesus through Joseph. And Josias begat Jeconias, that's the one upon who the final curse was, and his brethren about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconias begat Salathiel, and Salathiel begat Zorobabel, and he was the one that came back and rebuilt the temple. And Zorobabel begat Abayud, and Abayud begat Eliakim, and Eliakim begat Azor. Now you begin to understand why the Bible's got these generation names in there. It's because there is information there. It's telling us something, right? Remember the curse was only to the tenth generation, and Azor begat Sadak, and Sadak begat Achim, and Achim begat Eliehud, and Eliehud begat Eleazar, and Eleazar begat Mathan, and Mathan begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Of course, we know that 
Joseph didn't really have anything to do with the bloodline. But he was the legal heir to the throne of David through Jeconias. But let's look at the other generation because we go to the book of Luke and it gives us another genealogy, this time going through Mary. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph. Right? It's telling you that the genealogy in Matthew was the legal genealogy, but he wasn't a blood son of Joseph because his blood came from the father. Because the angel Gabriel told Mary, the power of the, of the shadow of the Holy Ghost will overshadow thee. And the thing that is going to be conceived of you is going to be called the son of the highest. So the scripture in Luke makes it clear that Joseph wasn't his blood father. As was supposed the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, and it goes back all the way, which was the son of Math, which was the son of Matthias, which was the son of Semai, which was the son of Joseph, which was the son of Judah, which was the son of Joanna, which was the son of Resa, which was the son of Zorobabel, which was the son of Salathiel, and they've skipped Jeconias. He's missing because it turns out that this line comes from another son of Solomon. So you see what God did? The line is preserved, and Satan's curse ended. God prophesied this in a very cute way to Jeremiah. Now read, listen to this scripture. In prophesying that, and Satan, I'm sure, had no clue what was going on here when Jeremiah wrote this. But look at this. The Lord showed Jeremiah, and behold, two baskets, not one. Two baskets. He was showing there was going to be two lines. The one that was cursed, Jeconias, but there was another one because Solomon had another son. Two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord after that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had come and taken away captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the princes of Judah with the carpenters and smiths. So now, let's look at what the, the generations, because the Bible is so... So detailed, it tells us, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away to Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. But let's look at it in a little bit more detail. So Jeconias' son was Salathiel. Now he was already born when the curse was given. So we start from him, he's generation one. Sorry, he was, he was already there. So now Zerubbabel, sorry, is the first one born after the curse. So I, I highlight him. Then his son was Abiad, Eliakim, Azor, Sadak, Akim, Eliud, Eliezer, Mathan, Jacob. So when Joseph was born, he was not under the curse. Bible says our God is a consuming fire. Satan cannot curse you when God has blessed you. True repentance always breaks the curse. When you come to God, it doesn't matter wherever you are or whoever you are. If you will come with a truly repentant heart, no matter what your lineage is, 
you can have a generational curse breaking, so to speak. Let's look at that. Let's go back to the original scripture. Generation in, in the, under the law, this is what Moses wrote. An Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord even to their tenth generation. Shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever? They were saying, even after that, we're not going to have you. But then look what happens. Here comes Ruth. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabites, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. So according to the law, she could not be classed as an Israelite. She could have no part or inheritance in Israel because she was not a Jew. But look what made the difference. Ruth 1.16, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. My people, thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. When she made that declaration, when she claimed Israel's God, even though she was a Moabitess, you know the story, she ends up marrying Boaz, and becoming in the line for Jesus Christ. She's one of the five women that are in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Because in his seed, all the nations of the... Remember what the promise was to Abraham? In, through your seed, it's not going to be just the Jews, but all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Because through Christ, every curse is broken. Through Christ, he redeems us from the curse of Satan. No matter how many times he wants to come and put a curse on you, he cannot. Amen. You need to tell him that. You can't curse what God has blessed. He can't curse what God has blessed. That's why I am not really afraid of any witchcraft or anything like that because I absolutely know you can't curse me. You can't do it because I'm blessed of God. That's all, that's all there is to it. So I'm never afraid of any of that witchcraft stuff because you cannot curse what God has blessed. And as long as each of us will claim God the way that Ruth did, as long as we are obedient to the word, then the blessing of Abraham will be fulfilled in us. Amen. Amen. So you see what happens here. Her faith, just as in the New Testament, made her whole. It breaks the curse. Faith in God breaks any curse. Amen. Let's read it in Hosea 1.9. Under the Lord said, Then said God, Call his name Loamai, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. But in Romans, Paul now explaining what Jesus Christ did, for not only was he the, after the tenth, after the curse, but he broke forever. The curse of the law. For what the law could not do in that was weak through the flesh, that means genealogy as well, because we're not Jews, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, because of sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Amen. See, Satan will want to come and curse you. He hasn't given up his plan, but you just need to understand that there is a principle at work here that he can't do it. We see the greatest example of this in the Old Testament when Israel was camping in the wilderness and they came to get Balaam and they said, they hired Balaam, come, we want you to curse Israel. 
let's, let's make some frog's legs and boil up some stuff and some witchcraft. Let's do some stuff, some chicken necks and get it in the pot or whatever, whatever these people do. I don't know what they do. Shake some bones and s- <laughs> and let's curse Israel. Of course, Balaam knew better that that was impossible. He kept on telling you, I can't do it. If God won't let it happen, you can't do it. Anyway, he kept on looking at the money. And he's going to try. Numbers 2.1. But you see, there's a principle that defeats any curse. Because the Bible says that Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. And the symbol that did that was the cross. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished... Amen. The curse of the law was over. The veil ripped in two. The separation between God and man ended. See, God had a plan to defeat any curse. Look, look what he told Israel. And the Lord spake to Moses unto Aaron, saying, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard. He told them how they were to camp. They weren't just to camp in any old way. He told them when they were not moving that the whole of the nation of Israel should camp in a certain order. And it was very specific how they were to camp. This group was on the east side, this group on the north side, this group on the, on the west side. And they were to camp in a specific way, in a specific order. Verse 9, all these were numbered in the camp of Judah, were 100,000 and fourscore men and 6,000. And if you plot it out, guess what it looks like? What does it look like? A cross. When you have the cross, when you're camping by the cross... There can't be no curse on you. So when Balaam went up to the mountain to look down on Israel and try and curse them, you know, all he could see was this cross. Jesus' cross defeats any curse. And Balak the son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was so afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. So they sent messages to Balaam. I want you to come and curse Israel. Come, I pray thee, verse 6. Curse on me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail that we may smite them, that I may drive them out of the land. That was never going to happen. Satan may try and drive you out of the land, but remember what the name of the church is. For God has made room. So he goes upon the mountain in Numbers twenty three thirteen, and he looks down at Israel, and what he's seeing is the cross. And Balak said unto him, Come, I pray thee with me to another. So he goes to another mountain. Every, every mountain he goes and looks down, all he can see is the cross. And so you know what he had to do in the end? Bless. He blessed, and he brought him into the field of Zophim to the top of Mount Pisgah and built seven altars and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. And nowhere he went to curse Israel could he actually curse Israel. In the end, what came out of his mouth was a blessing. And the man that hired him got so mad at him, Hey, look, why did you come here? We told you we wanted a curse, and you're blessing these people. In the end, he had to admit, I can't do anything except God allows it. Galatians 3.13 Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. And here's here's what I'm trying to tell you. That the blessing that started off with Abraham bypasses all of the curses. 
of Jeconias, of Judah, and all the things, and it comes straight to us. Look at this. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, who is the son of David, on which the blessings were first pronounced. Do you understand what I'm saying? That we, say, say we, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You need to tell the devil when you wake up tomorrow, there's no curse. It's going to be on me. Because I'm blessed and highly favored. It may not look so, but I'm blessed and highly favored. The Bible says that Jesus has become our peace, our shalom. Ephesians 2.11 says, Wherefore remember that he being in the past times Gentiles, who were called of the uncircumcision, uh, called by the circumcision, in the flesh made by hand. So the Jews looked down on everybody else. They couldn't come near to the temple. They couldn't be priests. We were looked down on. That at that time he were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, he who sometimes were afar off are made nigh or made near By the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. Next time the devil get on your case, just say, Jesus is my peace. Jesus is my peace. I am still blessed and highly favored. No matter what Satan wants to put on me, I am blessed and highly... You You can't do anything to me unless the Lord allows it. And I've seen that in real life. I've seen, I've seen people try and do me wrong to the point I am sorry for what happens to them. I really am. I have to say, Lord, please have mercy upon them. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Let me try and put this in a, in a, a terms that, uh, the way I see it, right? The wall that was between us, between what was promised and us, was all this genealogy, right? All of the genealogy, the natural seed of Israel. We were not in that lineage. But when Jesus died, he broke that all down because he is the son of David. And then he came and said, we are heirs and joint heirs. Do you get that? So he bypassed, he broke down the middle wall of partition, the genealogy having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the hatred, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make of himself twain one new man, so making peace that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. Back in, way back 2,000 years ago when Balaam tried to curse Israel and he looked down at what he saw, even though it's not said, was a cross. Today when Satan comes to come and curse you, what he needs to see is the cross. If he sees Jesus living inside of you, if he sees the cross on your heart, if he sees the cross in your life, that's why Jesus said, any man wants to come after me, he needs to what? Take up his cross. Deny himself. Because actually the cross is your blessing. If you can stand with me. Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. There's no generational curse. doesn't matter what your father was. 
your human father. It does matter who your heavenly father is, though, because you're in a new family. You're in a new lineage. He is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Romans 9.25 says, As he saith also in Hosea, or Isaiah, I will call them my people. Sorry, Hosea. I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said of them, ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. So just like Jesus is called the son of David, we're now the children of God, which means we bypass all the curse. I hope you see that. We bypass all the curse. We bypass, just as how the prophecy that was given to David really was meant for Jesus and was not revealed till Jesus came. The prophecy also now applies to us because we are heirs and joint heirs. Hallelujah. So through the cross, it breaks every curse. If we got that deep down, we'd be so happy. We'd, we, we wouldn't be afraid of Satan. We'd tell him, listen, I'm a prince. <laughs> I'm a princess. That's what he changed Sarai to Sarah, meaning princess. Because you are blessed and highly favored. He told the disciples, you should rejoice. Not that you can do miracles, but that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We need to rejoice tonight because there is no generational curse. When Satan comes and to curse us, he just needs to see Christ living in me. And he can't do it. <laughs> he won't be able to do it. Hallelujah. Let's bow our hearts tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us, O oh God, to build faith in our hearts that when we realize, hallelujah, that we are a new creature in you, Lord God, that all things have passed away and all things have been made new. Help us, O oh God, to let your declaration of perfection rest upon us. Lord, we just thank you today for your power and your grace that makes us alive. Lord, we ask you, O oh God, to let us be obedient, Lord God, that your power and your word can be manifest in every aspect of our families and our day-to-day -day lives. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name.